Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Um, my name is Kylie Miller, and we got a crew in-house today. We're at the Northeast Research Station. Um, I guess we can start with you, Dennis. We, we're here at the station, and uh, we just got finished with Row Rice Field Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we can talk about what the program was today. Yeah, we did today. Well, first thing, we got we got all kind of people in here, Kyle. I guess we got to introduce everybody. We got to introduce everybody. It's the crew. That's it's, what I started calling it in our new, uh, uh, well, what did I, well, in the description box. Yeah. We, got other, we, got, we have guests. All right, well, we're going to introduce. First, we're going to start with this young man right here. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Colin Kitchens. And who's your grandpa? R.L. Frazier. He admitted it? I can't believe it either. <laughs> He's been good. He, he was here yesterday when we were getting ready for field day, and he was going getting water and toting stuff. Oh, he was yeah, a great he water boy. Yeah. He, he was real handy yesterday. Oh, man. He was. I'm mean, absolutely convinced he's the hardest working person. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would just be Well, what did your grandpa have for you today? I mean, yesterday when uh, when he got there, what'd y'all go out in the field and find? Tell us about that. We found some bill bugs. Yeah. Where they had burrowed into the rice stems. Uh huh. That was really cool. Well, uh, also we have Dr. Melissa Cater on the on the air today, and uh, I guess you've been on before, though, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, so, but yes, yeah, she's our regional coordinator here in uh, the Northeast region, and uh, and I guess we can move on now. You gonna well, stop again? Oh, what? What? Bruce is a part of the crew. Well, He's part of the crew. Well, <laughs> tell everybody to get used to the crew. Uh-huh. We're kind of slow sometimes. <laughs> Well, we, we're typically the three of us or four of us are yeah. on at all times. So, um, but yeah, we got Bruce, R.L., and Dennis and myself. So, it, at least we're sometimes good. we're always here. So. Somebody, one or all of us are always here. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, back to what we started okay. with. <laughs> what we had today here at the Northeast Research Station, we had a row rice and soil health field tour. We met this morning with, um, we had some people from California here. We had one from Minnesota. We had some from uh, Arkansas, some from uh, Mississippi. We had a really good crowd, and it was an interesting crowd. And what we were talking about today, the, the focus of it initially, when this, this field tour first was brought up to have, was row rice. We had some guys coming in that really wanted to learn row rice production. And so that's kind of how it started. And then it evolved. They also wanted to know about cover crops, soil health, irrigation. They, their list got long. <laughs> and so we, we spent, we started at 7.30 this morning and we finished about noon or a little, about noon. And we had a, we went to the field for a couple hours while it was cool this morning. It was overcast and cloudy. Um, we had a bunch of different speakers. Uh, we all, all of us talked at one point or another about things we were doing in the field with row rice and um, we did we did all that and we did it it wasn't like a regular field day where we stood out there and gave a presentation we talked in general terms and we also butted into each other when we talked <laughs> i mean we had there were times that two people were talking 
So it was laid back. It was, it was very laid back, and they asked a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. They really, the, the audience, the, the participants of the tour were very involved and asked really good questions about and pretty much all the subjects we talked about. Let's see, I'm looking at the schedule now. Y'all talked about weed control, um, nitrogen fertility, the bill bugs, nitrogen reference strips. Um, you talked about the precision planner. Yeah. Um, Cover crop, the cover crop variety trials that y'all are doing, um, seed and rate, row spacing, and Trey talked about pathology. And then um, Peter Zegbetti, he talked to, he talked about what he was doing with his cover crops yeah, and stuff. He talked about the soil health and mm -hmm. the crop rotation, the one they started last year. They're doing, they have conventional tillage versus no-till. The conventional tillage doesn't have a cover crop. But the no-till does, and the cover crop, they're planting corn, cotton, soybeans, spring sorghum. And each cover crop in the rotation is planted for the following summer crop. So they're not planting cereal rye for corn. They're planting lagoons, you know, or a mix of lagoons. So it's a little more complicated, I guess. And But he's... And this was just the first year, so there's not a lot to see, but it was, well, you could see he did that little thing with the, you know, where there was no not, no cover crop in the soil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they were showing moisture stress versus the cover crop right next to it. Mm -hmm. so, Another thing come out of this, <clears throat> well, the, one of the sponsors of today's program was talking about the uh, regenerative bag, yeah. a new buzz term that's out there. And, and, you know, you've been hearing this term, but you kind of confuse sometimes as to what does it really mean? And he gave a really good definition on regenerative, regenerative, hey, don't get that out in a minute, uh, of, of what it really meant was restoring that soil health, restoring that uh, organic matter um, and, and how to go about doing that. And, and, and to do that, you've got to incorporate cover crops. You know, you know, basically, I, I hate to use the word no-till, but reduce tillage back to it uh, to help build that organic matter up, to build that soil health up, to try to get it back to working the way it's supposed to work, to where we, of course, you know, again, they're promoting zero tillage and zero herbicides and insecticides. Based on the market, though. I mean, it's that's based market. On the market. It's all on the market. I mean, you know, it's not organic, but you put some buzzword like that on it. They'll buy it. And they'll buy it. Well, and that's how the market's we'll, going. I think what we're going to start seeing in the, in the, in the coming years is up, upstream producers or, or, or processors of our crops are going to be looking downstream into mm -hmm. production practices to say, how did you produce this crop? Mm -hmm. Was it sustainably produced? Um, how much you know, chemicals did you use on it? Um, and it's gonna be a marketing tool, but also it fits in well with probably what a lot we should be doing anyway. Arnold's talking about building back the soil health. Um, me and Ariel's got a guy that, that's in, in West Carolina Parish with us, and his he's been on he's been on the podcast before, Mr. Robbie. So no, this this is a, a cattle guy, and his his words are: you feed the small herd under the ground to feed the big herd on top of the ground, mm -hmm. 
and he's all about soil health. It's Mr. Cliff Vining, and he's about soil health, about making that soil healthy. Um, so when you do move forward and you get into years like this where fertilizer prices are through the roof and you can, you can I hate to use the word scrimp, but you can cut back on your inputs um, and still maintain production levels. And he's, he's reaping those benefits now this year. So I mean, I, you know, that's on a cattle level, I realize, but I think even in row crop, we can get to that point where down the road, not, not, it's not going to be a quick change for anybody. Um, you know, cover crops have been around a long time, and the, 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 the whole process of getting that cover crop in place, going the three to four to five years out there to make sure, to show you that it's working, that, that you're going to reap the benefits for. But I think what with regenerative ag, the, the take I, I get on it is that there may be some, I don't want to say compensation, but there may be something down the road where a producer can say, well, I've regeneratively ag, you know, use regenerative ag techniques to, to, for my crop. And, and have a producer say, that's what I'm looking for. Well, that's what, uh, with carbon credits, you know, we read a lot about the carbon credit market, and you've got to document that I did this, I did this, I did this. And now I think there's still a lot of uncertainty about how you pay for it, but, but it, is, it is part of it. And, and one thing was brought out this morning by one of the, the sponsors of the tour today, or helps, that, um, all these major food companies, one, two years ago, they didn't have anything to do with regenerative ag. They didn't have anything to do with sponsor, sustainability. They've all got departments or programs. They're, they're getting into, they're looking at this. So at some point, it's got to filter down that a producer is going to get paid something for it. I don't know what. Or on the other side, if you're not doing this, you may get docked. You may get docked. That's probably more likely. <laughs> I mean, it's but it's, it is it is a marketing thing for for them, and I mean, if it's enough for them to all of a sudden wake up and say, "We got to have this." Well, it looks good for them. I mean, it looks good. I mean, saving the planet. So it is, and and I'll tell you, you know, we talk about cover crops, and I'll tell you, we. So we went up to Robbie Howard's that day. I've always I've been like, yeah, you plant cover crops, you know, and we just get yeah. And Robbie Howard's, he taught us something. He farms. He taught he us is. in he, that one year. This is something to pay attention to. Yes, it works. Yeah, like, that's you. Know, you was talking about it been on the podcast, right? Mr. Robbie, Robbie has. Yeah, he comes on. He has been on there and, and went through it uh, of the whole gamut. And he has actually told me after we finished that podcast that day, he's going back down this year. This will be his last full year of farming. He's going to go to a couple of hundred acres, and he's going back to the basics, to where he started. And when he says no till, he said, that doesn't mean never till. That means when I have to. If I need to scratch the ground a little bit for one reason or another, fill in a rut, something... But he said, I'm going back to cover crops. A lot of what he is doing, I punched up. Kylie over when we was talking, I said, this is the same thing Mr. Robbie's doing up there. Mm -hmm. Planting green, no insect or very little insecticides, because he'll tell you the first year he went green, he was scared to death. But they had the consultant, the bug man come out, swept, 
before he planted, it was nothing but beneficials. He planted and went right on through with it. So it can work, but you've got to make it work. You've got to work it to make it work. Yeah, and Mr. James demonstrated that on the station before. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, in, in your the video that you and James did, mm -hmm. Planting Green, you and James and Peter did Planting Green this spring here on the station is great. And it shows, and you can see at the end, <clears throat> you can see we took pictures afterwards after the beans came up. I mean, y'all planted in, in a forest. I mean, it was a mess. <laughs> and everything came up great. It did. Surprised to me, but it did. <laughs> it's it since been destroyed. got cowpeas on it now. Looks like it. I saw that, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's got a cowpea grow variety test or something mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. James, James said we're not keeping that we're gonna get rid of it yeah your work with all your artistic stuff with you know I just followed behind a tractor with a camera and got sprayed <laughs> had to go home and shower <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I thought it was very interesting today brought out a lot of good points some were doing I reckon if I had to put everything in one basket today the regenerative ag takes cover crops, no-till, and kind of combines them together. Mm -hmm. You know, because you got to have the cover crops. you got to try to do the no-till, minimum till, whatever, to make it work. And puts those two together to make it work. And, and in the, under the heading of regenerative ag to increase your, like you said, the, the herd under the ground to support the top of the ground. So... And the opportunity for row rice. I mean, yeah, that's, yes, that's, I yes. mean. Oh, and then we did have the guy from California here yeah. listening to about the row rice. Yeah, all the opportunities that brings. Right, because mm -hmm. they're in that water deficit out there mm -hmm. where he doesn't. He I don't think he's salivating nowhere about how much water we were able to pour. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he had rice. He grows processing tomatoes. And they they wanted to grow rice, they grow. but they weren't allowed to. Yes. I think that's what he said. Well, didn't he say that they were going to plant rice this year with tape, yes, tape yes. irrigation underneath? He's going, oh, my, uh, my. They grow processing tomatoes on an 80 inch bed, and they put a drip tape down the center, so it's 40 inches. I think that's if I understood him right. And what he's and he said those tomato roots will grow to the water. I didn't know that. I mean, well, they got to find it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's like a tree, I guess. I guess. He said they'll grow in the water. He said, why won't rice do the same thing? I believe it will. It may. I don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't use a lot of water for those tomatoes. I don't know. I forgot what he said. It wasn't. Well, when he was talking about the amount of water they pumped for, for the rice that they grew, yeah, I, I tried to pick my jaw up off the ground when they, when they were talking about acre feet of mm -hmm. water. And we talk about acre inches mm -hmm. for, for our rice crop. And he was talking about acre feet. Yeah. And it wasn't one or two feet. Mm -hmm. It was like eight feet of eight, eight acre feet of water that they used to produce rice. And that just absolutely blows my mind. The thing is, how can you afford to do that? I mean, we've got good water available here for us, and I don't think we could use it. I don't think I don't think if I went to a farmer's you got to pump eight feet of water. Grow they, rice. Grow, they, they would say, no, say, I ain't growing catfish. I ain't growing catfish. Well, and that was a question that did come up when we were talking about the row rice. And then a couple of those guys asked, 
how much water does it take to grow an acre of rice in Louisiana? And we all had the same answer. Well, we depend on rainfall and pump water. We'll, about 30 acre inches is what we use. But how much does it actually take? Mm -hmm. Nobody knew. Nobody can answer that question. Maybe Colin could. He might have been paying attention. Look at him nodding over there. But it led us into what we need to do next year. Well, you and I have already talked about. Yeah, we've already talked about trying it. We got to measure them waters. We pump it across this road. We got a flow meter. We we can do it. We can split it. We got a splitter down there. We can find a little spot. We'll put one of your moisture sensors in. Every bit that goes down, yeah, and just we can. If we trigger off your moisture sensor and we got a flow meter recorded, and we'll just basically starve it to death. Yeah. Starve it and just see what we can make. And that's that's the about the only way to, 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 to be able to say how much is it going to take. I mean, because it, it is it's it's a it's a broad moving target, and and I said it in the field. If you if you actually absolutely held my feet to the fire, so Bruce, you've got to give me a number. I'm gonna say 32 inches pumped on an average year, but but yet. We've had years, Dennis, you've had years, and I've had years where it's been less than 10 inches that we mm -hmm. want based on rain, rainfall. We have a year when we get catch rainfall every four or five days or seven to 10 days, and, and it's, it's, it's real rain. Um, we can get by with mm -hmm. well, eight inches. With eight inches. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a moving target, but it, I mean, it's, it's one that we've got to try to mm -hmm. track down um, to figure out what, what is that number. Well, and we'll, yeah, and we'll see, as far as Northeast Louisiana goes and row rice, we're kind of down right now because that weed you were talking about, that soybean weed. weed. I loved it. That I mean, I, weed. And I, if for folks that don't know, I mean, I've <laughs> sold the store before. In Morehouse Paris, about three years ago, we had just probably about 60,000 acres of rice. And we, we ended up having an outbreak of this invasive weed that showed up um, right before planting. Um, worked with weed scientists to figure out what this weed was, and it, it showed up. And it, I mean, it just absolutely decimated um, my, my row rice uh, acreage in Morehouse Parish. And that, that weed was the $14 a bushel soybean. Mm -hmm. um, that absolutely killed my row rice in Morehouse Parish. But that's, as we're looking forward um, for cost of inputs and all things that go with raising rice, really what we're looking to try to figure out is how to raise a crop with the inputs costs going down mm -hmm. while the, the, the commodity price either stays static or goes up a little bit. Um, so what can we do to make the rice competitive with the $14 a bushel bean? Um, a lot of folks tell me, Bruce, you'll, you'll never be competitive to a $14 bushel bean. And I, but you can't, you can't, and I know fields that around in Tensile. Tensile has the same weed. And uh, we had one producer, he went from 1,000 acres in January. Every month he went down about 300 acres until he got time to plant soybean. Until he got time to plant so rice. rice is a lot of work, too. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of... This work, one. you. I mean, manual labor versus well, soybeans. And, and row rice. The thing about row rice compared to patty rice, row rice takes more management. Right. And you, you can't have, go on vacation. No, you have. You got to be there. You got to be there, and you have to. It takes more management. Mm -hmm. But 
we've got people that have had beans behind beans behind beans for two or three years. And we had a conversation the other day here about seams. We're beginning to see in certain fields, you're beginning to see the effects of that third year soybean. Tap, tap root decline. Tap root decline. Monster. Yep. Beans behind beans behind beans. I, I looked at a field last week in Morehouse Parish that is going to have significant loss, um, yield loss in that field. And when I asked the producer what the previous year's crop was, it was beans. And what was the year before that? It was beans. He's done a bean behind beans. He planted beans in this field for like five years running. And you look down the row and, you know, every few feet, there's the dead plant. There's all the symptomology of the dead plant, small dead plant, da da da. I mean, rather taproot decline. But yeah, you know, the rotation of beans and rice becomes can become important taproot decline and we're not going to have $14 a bushel beans every year. We're probably not going to have it every three years. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and Dennis made a statement there a while ago. We was talking about the water and starving the rice. See how far we can go. Goes back to a statement he's made several times and I have too. We're here to make the mistakes on the station. We make the mistakes so it doesn't cost the farm. Right. And then when we get it to the point we're comfortable with, maybe we got this figured out, then we can go to the farm mm -hmm. and minimize the mistakes there. Not saying we go when we go to the farm, it's perfect. No, no, no. <laughs> we found that out too. We, we've been down that road where, I'm not gonna say what we say, but things happen when you go from a 30 foot, a 50 foot road to a thousand foot road. Lots of, lots of things happen. <laughs> Some of them ain't good. Yeah, but, We've got a lot of those bugs worked out. A lot of what we know won't work, what not to do, and it doesn't cost the farm. And that's what we're for. Well, well like James says in that video, he's he wants to. If you want to try it, try it small. Start yeah. small. Don't don't go do ten thousand acres of it or something right. like. You need so, to pick a spot and master it. Well, it's a whole lot easier for us to say. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> we, we tried that one year, and you don't want to do that. I mean, and I, I would prefer that, like the guys have said, I'd prefer to, to say that offer coming off the research station. Is it, you don't want to do that. Then, then to say, yeah, try it and see what happens. And it, it, you know, that's what we're Sometimes doing. it's not good. Sometimes it's really not good. It's, not, it's really not good. Yeah. I've had people ask me, says, God, that field looks rough on it. Talking about uh research station that field looks rough i said it's supposed to look rough the reason it looks rough is because we're just we're beating the dog out of whatever whatever's going we're on trying to field. prove something we're trying to prove something bad or good and it's going to look rough it's, you're going to see coffee beans that are six feet tall i mean that's that's they're, they're there for a reason you know, yeah. people drive past the research station and say oh that looks rough they don't have a farm well no it, it looks rough for a reason we're, we're we're trying to figure something out Sometimes it looks pretty bad. I'll admit that. <laughs> it looks, it, it's a bad, but I got I got some signs out there now that halfway explain it. Well, yeah, why, why, why does this look so bad? Look so bad. It gets too far out of hand. I come along and come yeah. Let's go. See there. See the push signs are coming up. That's it. Right. She doesn't say anything until we get to talking about how bad something looks. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, but the ditches are cleaned and mowed and everything right. sharp right. outside of that. So that's right. Apply on the back. That's right. That's right. Because some this year the the row rice has struggled. It's, it's it's we got some really good tests, but boy, they have been struggling. Rub the what is it? Somebody said rub uh, rice in a drought. Don't go in. Don't go ahead today. It's not a friendly thing. No. Anyway, all right. Well, I guess that's we've been on here for twenty five minutes. So, you got anything else you want to talk about? Corn uh, harvest we got, uh, is getting started. Yeah, corn harvest there. Even beans. I've seen some beans cut yesterday too. And we're cutting yeah. a lot of beans at home. A lot of beans so, at home. More beans. Harvest is going to go quick this year, I believe. Yeah. I've got got corn being harvested in, in West Carolina a little bit more house. I've got a, a good number of beans that are sprayed. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll be cutting some beans um, probably in the next week or two up north end. North end. Mm -hmm. um, getting close. I, I, I agree with RL. I think once harvest truly gets kicked off and rolling, we'll be done with harvest. And as I say that, um, I'll just throw this out there for guys to start thinking about post-harvest weed control. Yes. Um, every year, we, we talk about it a little bit, but you know, as, as we're approaching harvest, uh, file that away, post-harvest weed control, think about cover cropping. Um, if you're not already doing it, you know, now's the time. And I know there's a lot going on around, around the shop to get ready for, for harvest, but file that away um, about what we're gonna do for these. Cause we still got a long way to that first frost. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah, it, it tends out we're doing the same thing. We're, We've had we actually had some beans. I don't know what they cut, uh, but there were some beans cut. And corn, we've been getting enough showers. Or corn's hit and miss around. Some people cut. They're having to change farms to cut, but they're cutting. So yeah, I got stuck behind some of y'all's combines yesterday. Oh, did you know y'all had that one bridge right there? Mm -hmm. uh, what's that part called? Um, you talking about Logan's Ridge? Logan's Ridge, yeah. Where I had to sit there for a few minutes and let all of them because only one person fits at the top. <laughs> I've seen a house hit that bridge before when I used to work here. So, but yeah, they're on the road. They're 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 getting started. And if we can keep the rain out this week, everybody'd be working a lot harder. So uh, there's a in the spring training field that next week. Yes. yes, it is on yep. Thursday. Thursday, and we actually that uh, the the topic for next week podcast is going to be with I mean, Merle. We hadn't even asked Merle yet, have we? No, we're advertising him, but uh, just twist his arm. Yeah, uh, will be about sweet potatoes. So all the people in y'all's part of the world, <laughs> which that's that's that'll be the first time we've ever discussed sweet potatoes on this. So that'll be really interesting. But anyway, I guess I'll close up. Thank y'all so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. See y'all. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.